Hey, do you guys know the difference between Mother's Day and Father's Day? The answer is about $8 billion. That's the difference between what we spend on Mother's Day in North America and what we spend on Father's Day in North America, which seems completely unfair to me, right? Like, I'm not a dad, but if I were a dad, I would demand that my family spent $8 billion today on me just to even things out a little bit, you know? It seems like you guys should get more credit as dads than what you typically get. It's like you always get the short end of the celebration stick, you know? No matter how hard you try, no matter how many amazing and wonderful things you do, it seems like a lot of times everybody's like, oh yeah, it's dad. He knows we love him and we appreciate everything he does. I mean, think about all the stuff that your dad actually does for you on a daily basis. First off, you've got those amazing dad jokes, right? Like the ones that are always funny. They're never lame at all. You know the ones I'm talking about. My dad is actually here visiting us from Houston, Texas. So I'm pretty pumped about that, that he gets to be here on Father's Day. That's pretty rad. And so what I've learned about my dad is since the last time I saw him, he's become a dad joke master, okay? <laughs> so we were, we were pulling into our front, the front of our house, and we had those uh, prairie hares, the rabbits that are all over, you know, in our neighborhoods. And I said, yeah, you know, most people around here, they look at them as pests because they eat everybody's garden. And without missing a beat, my dad actually said, so you'd call it a garden variety rabbit, wouldn't you? And I was like, oh, geez, I can't even, dad. I just can't even right now, you know? Your dad makes those incredible jokes that always make you groan and secretly laugh. You'd never let him know that they were actually kind of funny sometimes. Your dad rocks that amazing dad bod, you know what I mean? He just makes it look good, you know? You make back hair look like it could be attractive. So much that you do for us, dad. You provide for us. Man, if you want to take it a little more seriously and think about, you know, all the things that your dad does for you on a regular basis. Your dad is the provider for your family, isn't he? In most cases, dad is the one who is expected to go out and work and earn. And we live in a, in a modern world. And so there are lots of different family situations. And so it's not always true. But in general, dads at least like to think of themselves as the providers. Not only is dad the provider, but he's also the protector of the family, isn't he? He's the one who's kind of tasked with making sure that no harm comes to mom or the kids. You know, if something goes bump in the middle of the night, like dad doesn't say, honey, get up and go look at it. He gets up and he goes to check it out. Now, maybe your husband does that, but you know, in general, dads are the ones who get up with the baseball bat and the flashlight and they're hunting through the, the kitchen to see what made that noise. Dads are the providers. They're the protectors. Dads are the punishers of the family, aren't they? They're the ones who are required to mete out discipline when things get real bad. This is when mom says, you just wait till your daddy gets home. And then dad comes home and he's got to mete out the justice, right? Some of you dads are going to get business cards printed up and it's just going to say the punisher. That's going to be your thing now because you're the punisher in your family. And then if you're a Christian, you're also tasked with the responsibility of being the priest in your home. Like you're a spiritual leader. Your, your job is to kind of help lead your family closer to God. And that's a lot of weight to carry on a daily basis. Every day to be the, the provider, to be the protector, to be the punisher, to be the priest, to be the pattern, to be a whole bunch of other Ps that I probably can't think of at the moment. Like dads, you have a lot of responsibility on your shoulders every single day. Now, it doesn't help 
that churches are not really great about celebrating and honoring dads the way that we should. Have you ever noticed when you come to a Mother's Day service, it's all like, oh, mom, you're the best. You're such a gift from God. And then on Father's Day, we're like, dad, you suck. Get it in gear. Act like a real man for once. You know, we lay out the punishment ourselves on dads. We fail to celebrate the gifts, the contributions, and the ways that you make life better for us every single day. Speaking of being a real man, culture puts a lot of pressure on you too, doesn't it? about what it means to be a dad in our world, what it means to be a manly man in our world. You're constantly getting bombarded with ideas about what makes a true dad great or what makes a true man at heart. You're constantly being told you got to have power tools and pickup trucks and charcoal grills. If you can like put together a charcoal grill using your power tools in the back of your pickup truck, they will actually upgrade your man card to like onyx status. You know what I mean? You go from just a regular man to being a manly man. Now, yeah, that's right. Not only, not only are you expected to do all like the manly outdoorsy, I got a full awesome beard and curly mustache sort of thing, but like there are other expectations that the world puts on you as well. As men, as dads, you're expected to be sophisticated and well-traveled. The expectation is that you can seduce women without any effort at all. You walk around life like you've got it all together, like you have all of the answers, like nothing freaks you out, like nothing stresses you out. You've got to act like everything is exactly the way you intended it to be as a man and as a dad in our world. Boy, that is a lot of pressure to carry around every single day. Now, as dads, we don't often admit that. As men, we don't often admit the pressure that we face from our families, from the culture, from the inside, from the outside, from the external, but it is there constantly shaping us, pushing us in particular directions every single day. So let's do this just for a sec. Let's give thanks to the dads who try, even if they don't always do it perfectly, the dads who go through all the pressure and they're trying to be this and trying to be that. They may not have been perfect, but you appreciate who they are. Let's give them a hand, especially if your dad's here today. Genuinely. Dads, we appreciate you guys. We recognize what you go through working 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. We recognize that you carry a lot of burdens that you never feel comfortable talking about. You never want to open up uh, about because you feel like that might make you a, a little less manly than what you should be. So thank you for who you are and for what you do in our lives every single day. We don't say it often enough, but we do appreciate it. Now, let me talk to the dads for just a sec. So if you're not a dad, you can just close your ears for a sec. This part doesn't apply to you. We actually don't want you to hear this about us men. The dads don't want you to hear this. So if you could just turn off your hearing for a sec, I'm going to talk to those of you guys who are dads, those of you who are men here in the services. You're not Superman. Did you know that? You're not Superman. Despite all of the expectations, despite all of the pressures, despite all of the voices that are constantly telling you who you are supposed to be and what makes a man a man in our world, do you know that you were never created to be Superman in your family? That's not a role that God intended for you. 
You're not supposed to be Iron Man or Batman. You might be like the Incredible Hulk a little bit. You know, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. That might describe you just a touch. But in truth, you were never created to be the superhero or the savior of your family. You're hearing a lot of voices. You're hearing a lot of opinions, a lot of ideas that lead you to believe that somehow the fate of your family and the fate of whether or not you're a good man or a bad man or whatever, that the fate of all of that rest solely on your shoulders. But I want you to understand this morning that that is not a role that God created you for, that you can breathe a little bit. You can relax some, dads, men, that it isn't all on your shoulders, and it doesn't all and only depend on you. This morning, we're going to open up the scriptures and we're going to look at a, at a phrase, at a sentence that Jesus said during his time here on earth. And I think this phrase actually has the power, dads, to transform how you approach your family, how you approach being a man in the 21st century, what you believe makes a true man. I mean, it has the power to finally have things click into place for you. Now, this passage is interesting because it wasn't written to dads. It was written to anybody who wanted to read it and put it into practice. So if you're not a dad here this morning, you don't get to go to sleep. <laughs> you got to track with us because this actually can help you. If you're a mom, if you're a single, if you're in a totally different stage altogether, if you'll take Jesus' words seriously, then when you find yourself as a spouse or a parent, or when you find yourself in, in a difficult situation where you're trying to figure out who am I and what am I supposed to be doing and how do I know if I'm being successful in life, if you'll take these words seriously, I promise you things will click into place in a way that they never, ever have before. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter number 11 this morning. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, starting in verse number 28. The scripture tells us that Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Verse 29 is where we're going to spend our morning. He says, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And then you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, Jesus says, and the burden that I give you is light. This very simple passage, these couple of sentences, and in particular, uh, verse number 29, if you will take these to heart, dads, if you will take this to heart, men, moms, kiddos, if you will take these to heart, you will find the rest that you're craving. You will find the purpose and meaning for getting up every day and going to work. You will be able to grade yourself on a, on a scale that actually matters and gives you peace and contentment in a way that you've never experienced. These verses, in particular verse number 29, it surfaces three questions. We're going to ask those three questions, and I'd like for all of you to just answer them honestly in your own mind in your own heart. You don't have to say them out loud. I'm not going to ask you to turn to your neighbor and give them your answer and ask them to share those. This is all between you and God, but I'm going to encourage you as we ask these questions based on Jesus' words here in verse number 29, I'm going to ask you to answer them honestly, and if you do, I promise things can change. So let's look at verse 29 again, and let's look at the first question. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Let me 
teach you? This first question that I want you to ask yourself today as a dad, as a man, as a mom, this first question is, who do I take my cues from? Who do I take my cues from? Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He gives you an invitation to take your cues from him. Now, he uses a pretty weird word here, yoke. We don't use that word yoke too terribly often in our world. Does anybody know what a yoke is as Jesus means it here? A few of you guys do. A yoke is the wooden harness that goes across the shoulders or haunches of cattle or horses when they're pulling a cart. You know what I'm talking about? Like maybe if you've ever gone to Lake Louise and you've taken that nice little carriage ride along the, the lake shore there, um, they have horses and the horses have a wooden beam that goes across the shoulders and it keeps all of the horses together going in the same direction. In Jesus' day, they would plow fields using animals and, and the, the animals, the oxen, the cattle would have to be yoked together to ensure that they went to, uh, in a straight line together at the same speed. And so Jesus uses this metaphor and he gives you the invitation to take his yoke on your shoulders. That is to take your cues in life from him and from no one else. To allow his words to shape who you are as a man. To shape what you think makes for a successful dad or husband, or maybe a wife in your circumstance, to allow yourself to be harnessed together with Jesus and to walk in lockstep with him, believing what he says about you, not what the world says about you, believing what he tells you is true about a good husband, not what everybody else tells you is true about a good husband, and on and on it goes. Jesus invites you to take your cues from him. Now, I can hear some of you already, like in your mind, I can just see it on your faces, and you're like, no way, mm -mm. I'm my own man. I do what I want to do. I decide what's best for me, and I decide what's best for my family. And I get that. I understand that. Genuinely, I do. As a man myself, I mean, I have that same attitude where I'm like, no, I'm not going to let anybody tell me what to do. I'm going to figure it out. I don't ask for directions. I don't look at the recipe. I just do what I think is best, and generally, it works out okay. But can I challenge you for just a moment? Can I challenge you to recognize that you are actually living according to a script that's been given to you? That while you tell yourself, I'm my own man and I make my own decisions and I do what I think is right. While you're doing that, in reality, what you're doing is you're taking all of the cues from culture and from family, from movies and television and music. You're taking all of these cues that you've been given your entire life. You're picking and choosing what you think might make for a good family man. And then you're trying to put them into practice. All of us are operating according to a script. You might be trying to be just like your dad because your dad was a great one. You might be trying to be like anything but your dad because he wasn't a great one. You're operating according to a script. You might think a manly man does these sorts of things. You're operating according to a script that you've picked up. It's subconscious. You don't realize that that's what you're doing, that you're kind of buying into all the cues that culture has given you about what makes a man a man. I mean, if we were to go around the room this morning and ask each one of you, give me some of the characteristics of a man, we would all come up with basically the same list. Why? Because we're all living according to the exact same script. Now, Jesus invites us to step out of that script. 
and to live our life taking our cues as men and as fathers or wives or children, to take our cues from him, to take his yoke upon us, to learn from him instead of learning from Greg, the random guy who lives up the street, right? To choose Jesus and his words, his teaching, his ways ahead of anything else. To let Jesus define what makes you a good man or what would make you a good father rather than taking those cues from the rest of the world around you. Hey, dads, you may be able to choose the script and piece it together on your own, but let's not lie to ourselves and say that we're not living according to a script. We are, every one of us. The question is, which script are we living according to? And Jesus says, you will be most blessed. You will find the most fulfillment and contentment. You will find purpose that you never knew existed when you live according to his script. When you are yoked to Jesus and not to the other ideas of manhood that our culture gives us on a regular basis. What's the other option, you guys? The other option is to like just take our cues about manhood and fatherhood and all of those things. It's to take those cues from the rest of the world around us. But let me explain to you why that's a terrible idea, okay? If you take your cues from the other guys at work, you're like, oh man, he's a manly man. I'd like to be like him. Or he's a great dad. I want to be like him. Maybe they are, okay? But do you realize that every other man you see on the planet is just as flawed and insecure as you are? Every other man has his insecurities, his doubts, his fears about himself, that he doesn't measure up, that he's not good enough, that he's not making his wife happy, that he's not a good family man. Every single one of them, even the ones who position themselves as the most interesting man in the world, they all feel like every single day, oh, I don't know if I'm doing it well enough. I don't know if I'm measuring up. I don't know if my family's happy with me. They carry around those insecurities. And so when you look at the other insecure men around you and you take your cues from them, you're gonna end up flawed and insecure just like they are. And here's what's really weird about it. These men, these flawed and insecure guys who are living according to the same cultural script we've been given, when you take your cues from them, you don't realize it, but they're actually looking at you and taking their cues about manhood and fatherhood. They're taking their cues from you. And so all of a sudden, we've got this crazy cycle where we're just spinning around each other. We're, we're saying, okay, this is what it means to be a man. And we're all just buying into the same ideas. And nobody's questioning like, is this really what makes a man a man? Is it all about power tools and beards and like fat bank accounts and promotions at work and the ability to sleep with a hundred different women? You know, I mean, like, is that really what makes a man a man? But we don't know because the blind are leading the blind in our world. The blind are leading the blind. If you don't believe me, then look at the epidemic of fatherlessness in our world. Look at how many dads book out. How many of you hate today because your relationship with your dad is awful? Because he took his cues from sources that he never should have. Because he thought being a man meant working so much that he was never there for you. Because being a provider is the most important thing. Or your dad took cues and he took advantage of you. Maybe he even abused you because he took his cues from voices that said, hey, your family exists for you and you can do what you want with them. 
If you look at the epidemic of fatherlessness, of broken relationships, I mean, it's like there's got to be an acknowledgement, my friends, that what we believe about manhood and fatherhood is broken. It's not working. And so if you continue to take your cues from the movies you see, from the people you hang out with, you are always going to be frustrated and your family relationships are never going to be what they should because you're learning from the wrong sources. You're taking your cues from people who are just as flawed and broken as you are. And then you hear Jesus' voice above all the other noise and he says, take my yoke on your shoulders. Learn from me. Not from him, not from them, but learn from me. I mean, if it's the blind leading the blind in our society, wouldn't we be better off if we were to take our cues from the one who has the power to open the eyes of the blind? Wouldn't we be better off if we trusted what Christ said about who you are and what you should do as a husband and as a father? If you were to buy into his teachings, to his ideas, if you were to take your cue from Jesus, your family would be different. So I'm just gonna challenge you to not buy the lie that you're writing your own script because you're your own man and you're doing your own thing. You are taking your cues from somewhere. And the best place you can take them is from the one who invites you into a relationship with him. The one who says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why? Because, as he goes on here, I am humble and gentle in heart. That phrase, it surfaces the second question that I want you to ask yourself this morning. The first one is, who do I take my cues from? The second one is, what do I want to be known for? As a man, as a husband, maybe as a wife or a child, whatever it is, you, I want you to ask yourself, in this world, what do I hope that I am known for? I'm fascinated by the words that Jesus chose here. He could have selected any qualities in the world to be known for, to say, hey, you should listen to me. You should take my yoke on you. You should learn from me because I'm the son of God, darn it. I have all authority and power. Listen to what I have to say. He didn't do that. He didn't say because I'm wealthy. He didn't say because kings obey me. He didn't say any of that. He said, I want you to learn from me because I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart. Now, guys, here's the truth. When somebody describes themselves as humble, I typically get a little suspicious, right? Because that seems a bit contradictory to say, yeah, I'm very humble as a person. I saw a dude the other day at the mall, no lie. He had a shirt on that said, hashtag humble. And I was like, hmm. That kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? If you call yourself humble, then usually you're not humble. And yet humble is the word that Jesus used to describe himself. In fact, Jesus actually positions it as the reason that we should learn from him. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am humble and I am gentle at heart. You see, Jesus positions himself in a way that no other man in our world does. Those two terms are not typically masculine qualities, are they? If we, again, were to go around the room and ask for the qualities of a man, a good dad, we wouldn't typically hear, oh, he's meek. No, because in our world, meekness is weakness, isn't it? We think of meekness as being soft. You're a pushover. Your wife bosses you around. Your kids just take advantage of you. You know, you are a softie. We think that being humble or gentle makes you not a man. 
And yet Jesus positions himself and says, that's exactly what you need. You need to learn to be gentle. You need to learn to be humble. You need to learn to be meek in your life. He could have used any two qualities, but Jesus chose to be remembered and known for being humble and gentle. Now, if you were to ask yourself the question, what do I want to be known for? I wonder what answer you would give. Like at the end of your days when everything was done and you were having your your family speak your eulogy at your funeral, it's going to happen. You know that, right? Like all of us are going to be there one day. And I wonder what you would like your family to say about you when that day comes. What do you want your kids, your grown kids and your grandkids to say in that day? Oh, dad was a really great businessman. Dad was like super wealthy, man. I'm so glad I get my inheritance. What do you want your kids to say? Probably not those things. You probably have other qualities and characteristics that you want your family to say about you in that final time. So we're going to put that question aside. Let me ask you another question. It's related, but it's a little more important. Not what do you want to be known for someday, but let me ask you, what are you known for today? Jesus was known as being humble, as being gentle, as being meek. Is that what people would describe you as? Or if you're like most men, would they say, well, dad's angry a lot. He's impatient. He's unpredictable. He's a workaholic, an alcoholic. I don't know. But I wonder what it is that you're actually known for. And I wonder if there's not a disconnect, if there's not a gap, if there's not a break between what you wish people thought of you and what people actually thought of you. If I were to ask your wife, what words come to mind when you think of your husband and she were honest, what would she say? If I were to ask your kids, give me two words to describe your dad, what words would they use to describe you, Pop? If I were to ask your boss, give me two words to describe this guy, what would they say? If I were to ask your employees, what would they say? What is it that you are known for? What is it that you wish you were known for? See, Jesus chose two qualities that most of us would never choose for ourselves. We wouldn't say, oh, I hope to be humble and I hope to be gentle because in our minds, humility and gentleness and meekness is weakness. But can I just encourage you to recognize that meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. And I think men in our world really need to learn to control the power that they have at their disposal. It's not that we don't have enough power. It's that we don't know how to control the power that we have. Jesus was not a weak man. You understand that, right? When he says he was humble and gentle and meek, it's not like he was a pushover. Instead, he chose to control the power and authority that he wielded for the good of other people and for the sake of God's kingdom. Men, if you could learn that, if you could learn to be known for controlling your temper as opposed to being known for your temper, if you could learn to be known for uh, being patient rather than impatient, if you could learn to be known for loving and serving and sacrificing, then things could change in your family. But right now, you've got power and you don't know how to control it. That's why you fly off the handle. That's why you snap. That's why you demand and command that people obey you around the house. 
Can I tell you, that is not a demonstration of true power. Anybody can do that. It takes real strength to control the power and authority and responsibility that God has placed into your life. While every other man around you is demonstrating his manliness and masculinity and dadness, while he's doing that by showcasing his power and authority, Jesus invites you to step out of that script and instead to demonstrate the qualities of gentleness and humility in your life. If we were to ask your wife, wife, what do you want to be true of your husband? What do you want him to be known for? Do you think that she really cares whether you make over 100000 a year? Probably not. But I bet she cares whether or not you're gentle to your kids. If you were to ask your wife, do you care if he gets promoted to vice president? She'll say, sure, I'd love that for him. But more importantly, I would love it if he knew that he were loved and accepted regardless of what he accomplished or didn't. You see, you're living according to a script where you feel like I've got to prove it. I've got to showcase it. I've got to put it all on display for everybody to see. And Jesus says, listen, I transformed history because I was humble and gentle and no other man was. If you could be humble and gentle at your work, you would stand out in a way that no other men do. If you could be humble and gentle at home with your kids, your wife would love you more than any other wife loves any husband on the planet. You would be the envy of all the other wives because you had learned what really mattered. That is to control the power that's been given in your hands and to use it in a way that blesses and serves the world around you and benefits God's kingdom. That's what Jesus did. And that's the script that he offers you every day. Don't buy the lie that meekness, gentleness, humility as a man is weakness. Don't believe the lies, the cues from culture that if you demonstrate those qualities that somehow you'll be less masculine. That's a lie. You can transform things for real, but you've got to live according to a different script. What are you known for right now? What do you hope to be known for someday? Let me ask you one more question from this verse, these words of Jesus here. We'll wrap it up with this. This question, the first one was, who do I take my cues from? Second one is, what do I want to be known for one day? And then this third question I want you to answer honestly this morning is, where do I find my contentment? Or another way to put it is, where do I find my rest and my peace in this world? Because if you look at Jesus' words here, he promises that if we take his yoke on our shoulders, if we learn from him and take our cues from him rather than every other voice that's screaming in our ear about manhood and fatherhood, if we take our cues from him, then we will find rest for our souls. Do you know the number one gift that dads report they want on Father's Day is not a new necktie, it's not a new power tool, it's not a bottle of bourbon. The number one thing that dads say they want on Father's Day is a day off. Now, I know some of you moms are like, seriously, he needs a day off. I get that, okay? But the number one thing that dads say they need is rest. Now, here's the deal. The rest that Jesus offers you here, when you take his yoke, when you take your cues from him, when you live according to this humble and gentle and spirit-filled life, when you do that, the rest that you find is not physical rest. It is rest for your soul. It is a spiritual confidence that everything in your life is going to be okay. No matter what, I'm all right. 
because I know who I belong to. And I know that my life is not graded. My value is not determined by what I accomplish, but instead by who I trust in. You need spiritual rest. You need spiritual peace. You need spiritual contentment. Most dads think, oh, when the kids turn 18 and they get out of the house, finally, I'll have the rest and peace that I've been looking for. Most dads think, oh, if I get my promotion at work, finally, we'll be content. Finally, everything will be okay. Most dads think, oh, when August rolls around and I get to take my two-week holiday, then everything will be at rest. But you know what happens when you get those things? You don't feel any more at rest than you did before. Why? Because those things were not designed to give you the peace, the contentment, the rest that your soul really seeks. You will only have peace when you find peace with God. That's it. If you are relying on the script that says, as a man, you've got to prove yourself in and out every day, that's the only way you'll ever justify your life. If you live according to that script, you will live every day frustrated because you don't know, have I been successful enough? Have I made my family happy enough? Do I have enough money? Am I better than that guy? I don't know. If it all depends on you, you'll never find peace. But if you trust Jesus' words, then you can have the peace that your soul desperately needs. Dads, listen, I'm saying this directly to you because you need to hear it. You will only have peace when you find peace with God. When that relationship is right, when you are restored and in relationship with your heavenly father, then it's like everything else just seems to kind of fall in line. You look at the world around you differently. You look at yourself differently. You're not following the same script. You're not taking the same cues. It's like your life has been transformed. To use the biblical word, it's like you've been born again. You will not have peace until you find peace with God. Now, one more point and I'm done. I want you to pay close attention to what I just said. You will not have peace until you find peace with God. I did not say you will have peace once you make peace with God. That's a key distinction. Because if you go to God and you follow the same script that says, oh, it's all about what I do. It's about what I accomplish. It's about what I have to offer. Then you are trying to make peace with God and it doesn't work that way. You don't make peace with God. You receive peace from God. Do you recognize two times in this passage, Jesus says, then I will give you rest for your souls. He doesn't say, dads, if you follow this, if you obey my commands, then you will earn the rest that you seek. He doesn't say that. He says, I will give it to you. It is a gift. It is something that you receive from me as opposed to trying to earn it. If you approach God trying to earn, try to demonstrate, try to prove that you're worthy of his love, then you're following the same script you've been following your whole life where you prove and justify yourself based on what you can show the world. Instead, you receive peace from God when you trust what the scripture says about Jesus. Let me show you one more passage. Colossians chapter number one, verses 20 through 22. The scripture says this, through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace. He didn't give you the opportunity to earn peace. He didn't give you five steps to finally have the peace you've been seeking your whole life. God did it. 
He gave you. He created. He made the peace that you've been chasing after your whole life. He made peace with everything, including you. You've been saying to yourself this whole time, nope, if there is a God, he wants nothing to do with me. No, 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 no. Too far gone. I've done too many things. I'm not sure I believe the right things. I've got too many doubts and questions. There's no way I could ever have peace with God. And yet the scripture tells us through Christ, God reconciled everything, everyone to himself. He made peace with everything and everyone in heaven and on earth by means of what? Christ's blood, not your accomplishments, not your paycheck, not your, not your retirement account, not with how many ladies you've slept with or not slept with. He made peace with everyone by Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. And yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Dads, do you recognize when you take Jesus' yoke upon you, when you take your cues from him and from no one else, that you don't have to prove yourself to anyone because you are accepted and loved by the only one that really matters. Dads, it doesn't matter what your title says on your business card. It doesn't matter how many marriages you've gone through. It does not matter what people say about you behind your back. It does not matter what that inner voice is constantly telling you in your head. What matters is that you believe these verses, that through Christ's death on the cross, you have been made holy and complete, that everything you've been searching for your entire life has been done for you so that you're not on a treadmill constantly trying to justify and prove yourself to the people in your home, to the people in your work, to the people in your life.